This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Yora, and welcome to the AA Live radio show. This is the show that explores the ideas behind a way of recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. I am coming to you from my home this evening on Zoom. I am full of a head cold and thought better to not come into the studio. So uh, bear with me with my home recording, folks. The uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's a service which involves recovering alcoholics who support other alcoholics that want to stop drinking through the 12 steps of recovery and 12 traditions of AA. It is based purely on volunteers uh, within the fellowship. So it's alcoholics helping other people. I'm going to start with the serenity prayer this evening. This is what we open every meeting with. It's a tool from the program I use during the day if I I need to stop myself, assess what's happening and move forward in a calm manner rather than falling into the moment of maybe desperation or frustration, whatever's happening at the time that is making me feel overwhelmed. So folks, join me if you feel like it. It'll be lovely. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I'm also going to read our preamble. Uh, It's a bit like a, a mission statement, I suppose, for Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So I just want to explain also that any opinions and things that I say on this show this evening, they are purely mine. They are not necessarily that of AA as a whole. You are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. It's a pleasure to have you here with us this evening. And we're in August, which uh, coincides with the eighth step of the Alcoholics Anonymous program, which the step is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So the daily reflection that I'm going to read to you today is dated for today, the 9th of August. And it may become a little bit more uh, understanding because I've read that step. This is from our Daily Reflections book, excuse me, which we read each day. It has something for us to follow and learn each day. So August the 9th, of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And that's come out of our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book on page 77. One of the key words in the eighth step is the word all. I am not free to select a few names for the list and to disregard others. It is a list of all persons I have harmed. I can see immediately that this step entails forgiveness because if I'm not willing to forgive someone, there is little chance I will place his name on the list. Before I placed the first name on my list, I said a little prayer. I forgive anyone and everyone who has ever harmed me at any time and under any circumstances. It is well for me to contemplate a small but very significant two-letter word every time the Lord's Prayer is said. The word is as. I ask, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In this case, as means in the same manner. I am asking to be forgiven in the same manner that I forgive others. 
As I say this portion of the prayer, if I am harboring hatred or resentment, I am inviting more resentment and when I should be calling on the spirit of forgiveness. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm going to get into a little bit of music now and we're going to have Peter Gabriel, Salisbury Hill. I hope you enjoy this. I love this song. a reading for you today it's from our big book it's a story of someone else's experience that I thought you may enjoy or at least uh, some someone out there may recognize themselves as I have in this book in this story it's called a drunk 
like you. The more he listened at meetings, the more he came to know about his own drinking history. Usually, our stories start out by telling what we were like, what happened, and what we are like now. For me, what it was like was nothing in particular. No problems, nothing special happened, nothing that I realized anyhow. Only much later, when I started listening to other people and what happened to them, and when, and how, did I realize that those things were in my past also. My story starts in the middle with what happened. My family and I were attending a relative's bris a Jewish ritual circumcision and baby naming ceremony. After the ceremonies and brunch, I fell asleep. When it was time to leave, they woke me up. The car ride home was very quiet. The wife and my two kids said nothing. Later that day, I found out what the problem was. When they came to wake me, I was very belligerent and threatening. I scared them. They were afraid I would hit them. That was it. I could see that something had to be done. My wife's sister-in-law, who was a social worker, suggested we see a counsellor. I thought that might be a good idea. I was having anxiety attacks for no reason. I used to be able to demonstrate products to high-level executives of the corporation I worked for with no problem. Now even minor product showcases were becoming difficult. Also, I was having trouble getting technicians to work for me. In the past, I had had my pick because I was good to work for and the projects were fun with interesting new ideas. I always had a quick temper, but now things were getting out of hand. I would do things like beat up my desk with my desk chair. And the most serious thing to me was that I was contemplating suicide. I had an actual plan, a plan for an accident that would raise no question in the minds of the insurance company. So in a moment of sanity, I decided it would be a good idea to seek help. If I hadn't lost my marbles, they were at least very loose. So my wife and I found a psychiatric social worker at the local Jewish Family Services Agency. She saw us as a couple, then individually, then together. And so it went. When we were together, we worked on our interpersonal problems. When I saw her by myself, I would talk about drinking. I don't know why she kept bringing it up. I drank, but not that much. I never even mentioned my drinking except maybe to say, yes, I do drink, when she asked. It wasn't the problem. The other things were... One day she read me some questions from a pamphlet, which I answered honestly. She concluded that maybe I drank too much. And we talked about that for several sessions. One day she asked if I could limit myself to five drinks in a day. And I said, sure. Was I surprised when I found that I couldn't? That should have been my first clue that she might be right. But it didn't occur to me. Then I hit on a clever solution. I have several academic degrees and someone as smart as I could solve this problem. The idea was to put off the first drink as, as long as possible and go to bed after the last drink. That worked out okay. And I told the counsellor I was able to keep it to five a day with little or no problem. But she said, if you had to control something, it was out of control. During one session, she suggested that I try not drinking at all one weekend. Okay, I said. She also suggested that I send the kids off somewhere for the weekend because I might be irritable. I used to watch a lot of late night movies. It was my time to relax by having a few drinks. A habit that started in night school when I had a full-time job and was studying chemistry at night. I had seen movie versions of what happened to people who had drinking problems. The Lost Weekend, Days of Wine and Roses and others. And so I was nervous about raging, losing control, and maybe being violent as my wife had said I was. So we packed up the kids and the booze, all of it, and took all to my wife's parents. Much to my surprise, the weekend went well, no problems. So she said, what about the meeting when I went to the counsellor? And I said, what meeting? And she said, the AA meeting. And I said, what AA meeting? We never talked about that. And she said, I had agreed to go to an AA meeting. So out came a meeting list. She explained about open and closed meetings. I decided on one I thought would be okay for me, a men's discussion group. They would be my kind of people. And the time fit into my schedule. The meeting list started on Sunday. I never started a project or anything else on a Sunday. Monday was mash night. and Tuesday was Tuesday night at the movies. And I'm a big old movie fan. So Wednesday, 
is when I decided to try this AA meeting. The meeting went okay. We talked about somebody's problems with an anonymity break at his doctor's office. The people at the meeting were telling him stuff that made no sense to me, like live and let live. Easy does it. One day at a time, use the serenity prayer, talk to your sponsor. And as we went around the table, it came my turn. Since they were all saying they were alcoholics, it wasn't too hard for me to say my name and, hi, I'm an alcoholic, and suggest that the man should just go to another doctor. He thanked me very much. And after the meeting, he said to be sure and come back next week. During the meeting, Somebody mentioned spending too much time at discussion tables when we should have been spending more time at first step tables for newcomers. So I went to the first step table the following week. The discussion was very interesting. I didn't think I was powerless over alcohol, but I knew my life was unmanageable. One night we were talking about when we started drinking and I was saying that I drank all my life. Actually, I was given my first drink at my bris. That is usually done when a boy is eight years old. So I said all Jewish boys start drinking early. I had to admit that after that, it was just the usual milk and juice until I could sit up at the table with my family. And then there would be kiddish wine every Friday night. Not great stuff. What we got was sweet wine and seltzer, so I didn't drink very much of it. I didn't like it. Later, I learned the definition of a social drinker, someone who could take it or leave it. When I was about 10 years old, we all came back from my cousin's bar mitzvah services to celebrate at my grandmother's house. There, I had my first real drink. All the adults went over to the table for a schnapps. There were all these tiny little glasses in front of various liquor bottles, and everybody was having one. So I had one too. Oh, it was good. It was smooth and warm and wonderful. I liked it and went back for another. This one wasn't smooth. It was hot going down, not as wonderful. After that, I drank what I could, when I could, where I could. Not much, not often, not as a 10-year-old. At that first step table, we figured out, or they did anyhow, that that was alcoholic drinking, having one and going back for a second right away. I know now I never had just one drink ever. One night they were talking about how much they drank and one guy said he had so many beers. And the next guy talked about shots, one about mixed drinks I never heard of, another about so many pints and on it went around the table. When my turn came, I said I didn't know. Wow, that much, they said. No, I said. I meant I didn't know the amount. I drank mostly at home and poured some in a tall glass and drank that and did it several times. Well, how many times did you refill? I don't know. Somebody asked it another way. He wanted to know how many did I buy? Well, I said, I stopped in the package store every day and brought one. Oh, he said, how many did you have left at the end of the week? Well, he had me there. None, I said. He said, ah, a bottle a day, man. I never got to say another word. It was settled over my objections. I saw the counsellor once a week and I went to this men's meeting once a week and everything was getting better. Once I saw somebody get a 90-day pin, I decided not to get one. Even though I couldn't see it from where I was sitting, I wasn't going to wear an AA sign. One day, somebody got a 90-day pocket piece that he could rub for luck, and I decided to get one of those. After my three months were up, I went to the literature guy and bought one. He said it would be nice if it was presented to me in front of everybody. I wasn't too keen on getting up in front of everyone. He said it would be good for the newcomers. It would show them that the program worked. So I told him okay and asked the leader of the first step table to give it to me. They were paying him to run the meeting, or so I thought at the time. Later I found out that they were just reimbursing him for the snacks. So the following week, I got my pocket piece and thanked everybody for giving me the power over alcohol. Now I was more powerful than alcohol because for the first time in a long time, I could choose not to use it. A couple of weeks later, the large company I was with, which had relocated me and my family at their expense, had a large staff cut back and I was cut back, fired. I thought I was fireproof. I was in a very important position, doing important work. I was the chief researcher in developing a new product. I was sitting in on strategic planning meetings. I was very upset. After all, I was better now and back to being a good employee, a team player again, but to no avail. 
we were able to stay on site and special officers set aside for us to conduct our job search. As part of this job search, I was allowed to go to a professional convention being held in the Southwest. Now, somehow, between the time I lost my job and my flight to the convention, I decided maybe I was not an alcoholic and I needed to test that theory. After all, I was a researcher and things had to be tested. I decided that on the plane, because it seemed like a safe place, I would put the question to the test. If I could have one drink and no more, I was not an alcoholic. Alcoholics can't do that. So when the stewardess came by to ask me if I wanted a drink, I said, yes. She put two little bottles worth in a glass. No ice, thank you very much and went up the aisle. On her way back, she asked if I wanted another one, and I said yes. I drank for the whole flight, before dinner, during dinner, and after dinner. As we approached our destination, I searched in my pocket for a pen to fill out the in-flight magazine response card. I found this large coin. I took it out to see what it was. It was my 90-day pocket piece, And I was reminded of what I was doing. And the thought came to me, wow, those guys at the meeting were right. I am powerless over alcohol. I put that coin back in my pocket. And from that day to this, some 15 and a quarter years later, I have had no urge to drink. When I got back to my meeting, I told them what had happened. I don't know why. It was not like the old me to fess up to anything. They were concerned only whether I was still drinking. And I said, no, I'm not. I was worried that they were going to take my coin back. All they wanted to know was what I was going to do now. I had no idea. They did, however. They said I needed a sponsor. So I found a sponsor. They said I needed more meetings. How many? I wanted to know. They said I only had to go to meetings on days I would have had a drink. They said I needed to identify not compare. I didn't know what they meant. What was the difference? Identifying, they said, was trying to see how I was like the people I was with. Comparing, they told me, was looking for differences, usually seeing how I was better than others. One day we were talking about spiritual awakenings. Everyone talked a little about what happened to them and when and how and all that. Then it came my turn and I said I hadn't had one yet, but I was open to it. Well, two people were trying to talk at the same time. What have you been telling us about the airplane flight all this time? Well, I said I I was drinking and the coin reminded me of what I did. And I decided I was powerless and couldn't drink anymore and stopped. And one man said, well, that's it. What more do you want? I said, what about the blinding white flash? He said, what about it? He said, read the big book. The appendix explains the concept of a sudden change and a gradual change. And that not everybody has a blinding flash. Oh, I said, that was it. That was mine. Yes, he said. What more do you want? Actually, I wanted something more dramatic. And my sponsor said what he so often did. So, and I found myself saying, well, if that's it, then we'll have to do. Have to do, he replied. It was bigger and better than most. And more importantly, it worked. You stopped and didn't start again. Well, that worked for me. I have stayed in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous long enough to find the program in the big book and to practice all its principles in all my affairs on a daily basis. The last big hurdle was closing the meeting with the Lord's Prayer. And as a Jew, I was uncomfortable with it and decided to talk to my sponsor about it. So I said, the Lord's Prayer bothers me. I don't like closing with it. Oh, he said, what's the problem? Well, I'm Jewish and it's not a Jewish prayer. Ah, well then, say it in Jewish, he said. Well, it would still be the Lord's Prayer. Right, he said. Then say something else that you like. Your higher power, whatever you call it, is helping you. And you need to say thank you. That was a big step for me. I finally began to separate the religious aspects of my life from AA's spiritual program. Now, the big difference to me is that religion is the ritual. And we all differ there. And spirituality is the way we feel about what we do. It's about my personal contact with my personal higher power, as I understand him. Everything has turned around. I found a new job, which I then decided to leave. I opened my own business. I was able to put my two sons through college at large universities. My oldest son's great passion was to go on road trips to get away from home when it was time to come home on school breaks. Now he comes home regularly and brings friends. The younger son comes home often and calls regularly. My marriage is no longer on the brink and is better than ever. And the best is yet to come. 
all this and more I owe to the fellowship and the rooms and the program in the book. I hope you enjoyed that. That for me is a story that shows several things. <laughs> that supposedly white flashing moment that he wanted uh, when we realised that our life uh, is unmanageable and we are powerless over alcohol can come in many different forms. And the higher power who's looking out for you that's also of your understanding. I think uh, it's a good story to read. I'm going to put a song on now. This is called Mr. Postman. Toro Waimoi has created this at home in lockdown. He did it at, uh, on his computer, I believe. So enjoy this. Mr. Postman. Did I mail? Get a letter. Did I get a postcard? Ooh, Mr. Postman. Listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. If you're listening online, jump on the ORFM website to find more details about our podcast. We're now going to listen to an interview that one of our previous hosts of the radio show, Tony, did with a gentleman who was visiting from the UK, Martin. It's a very interesting share. Enjoy this. Yeah, look, I just want to um, give a warm welcome uh, to Martin, who's with us uh, on the show. Um, and Martin may well be a first international uh, guest. So welcome, Martin. It's, Hello. It's, it's lovely to have you uh, on the show. Um, I was hoping that um, you may uh, like to share a little bit about, you know, um, you and, and alcohol and what happened and, and you know, what made you come to AA or, or at least start to try and work through this um, issue and what it's like for you now. Um. Cool. Uh, hi, yes. Um, my name's Martin. I'm an alcoholic addict. Um, yeah, I haven't done a share where it's how it was like, what it's like now in a while. But um, It's all cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll start. My first drink that I remember was stolen from my stepmom. Uh, gin and tonic which I fucking hate now I can't even smell it um, where I they went out and then I drank uh, until I puked everywhere and then went upstairs and passed out and all I specifically remember really is my stepsister cleaning up the ladle from the carpet but at the time I 
convinced myself that English people had that. It was a crash course in drinking. We just yeah. drank as much as we could and then we learned. We weren't really taught anything, but <laughs> um, I didn't learn, but it definitely became apparent that I drank more than the people around me or at least as much as I assumed. I had the nickname Rummy from my friends yep. and uh, I'm lucky and not, but other substances quickly took over with drinking, which did, did speed up the process. Um, but it took over everything. Like I was, everything I had went into drinking and using to begin with, and my substances upped along with alcohol. Um, so I, I had no plans. I gave up everything. I ended up stealing from my family. Really, I didn't. And my school, I was very good at stealing from my, um, yeah, my school. I uh, volunteered for them and then I stole from the shop. So it was all there to support my habits, yeah. um, which is not normal behavior. And I found that out. It's funny, like it's been a while because I was um, three years, 11 months yesterday. Awesome, well done. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, quite a cheap one. But when I came into the rooms of the fellowship, um, I hear it said, and it's it's true, that I didn't know what I was suffering with. I didn't realise that I had no control over what I was doing to myself, other than the fact that I suffer with the disease of alcoholism. Yep. Um, I did the research um, off my face into substance abuse disorder, disorder, and convinced myself of numerous mental health issues, but which to be fair I do have history of but that's not important it's not about my mental health it's about substance the al al alcohol so. tends to hide itself doesn't it yes. Martin it, it, it says look I um, you know it'll say that I'm schizophrenic or yes. I'm, I'll, I'm everything else but and it will just continue in the background yes. with yes yeah no I understand what you're saying it's very true like you cannot say that you suffer with depression and mania when you're doing the exact things that cause the symptoms of yes, what you're suffering yes. with. Um, to the point where I was, I, I went to university, I spent the whole time in my room, I dropped out of university, I then moved back into my house, I left my house, my geographical was essentially becoming homeless. Right, yes. Um, because that's the problem. Yeah. I'm in this house, this is the reason I'm doing all this stuff, what I'll do is I'll leave with a 10 bag of weed, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not the problem. Um, so I, I was homeless for a, a while in England, and then all the ups. Essentially, um, I while I was homeless, I was introduced to Class A drugs, and I became an intravenous user as well. Yeah. Which definitely speeded up the process. Um, which. I don't know, like it's one of these things that you think about and you can regret, but it's also said in the program that we don't regret anything. Yes. Everything I've done led me to this moment and I'm fucking happy. So I'm I'm happy in this moment. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. very happy in this moment. Like literally the fact that I am sitting on the other side of the world, everything else that's happened in my life has led me to this. Um but my life was a mess. It was a sad, very very sad excuse for existence when I had so much potential yeah and around the time I came to the rooms I'd um I passed out in town and then woke up in hospital um the key worker that I was working with who was essentially I was lying to and keeping me alive for a script um uh said she thought I was going to die after the fact yeah. after I sorted myself out yes um and I, yeah, I don't know because I can't recall exactly how I felt at that time because I was just a habit. But did you get moments of like despair? Like, how did I get here? <laughs> why, why can't I get out of this? Well, um, what's happening? Did you, did you, did you have those moments? You know, like lying in hospital, thinking, um, "This isn't normal. What, what, what's going on here?" You know. I I can't, all I remember that time is waking up with tubes in me and yeah. unable to speak. Yes, yeah. Because, um, and then 
just worried because I was wondering if I'd taken the methadone that I'd gone to town to get. Yeah. Um, it was. That's all I all I cared about because I didn't want to be sick. No. No. Um. So, but yeah, and it always happened when I ran out of money. I yes. always wanted to die or looked into rehab when I ran out of money and I was um, unable to get anything. And then taking the antipsychotics that a doctor had prescribed me yes. just to sleep. When yes. I had nothing, I would just want to be gone. Yeah, like oblivion, yeah. being oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what we seek, <laughs> you know, yeah, to feel nothing. Yes. 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 Um, so that was it. Um, but a lot of along with the despair or just the nothing um, I had mo- around the week and I always wake up and I think I should go to church yeah just that that will fix me you know I know something's wrong so I went and I prayed for about five days yeah um, at my hometown cathedral and around that time a lot of things happened but I walked into my first room of um it was CA in England, yes, which yeah. is Cocaine Anonymous. Um, yeah. Has the same exact steps. It's just all mind-altering substances. Um, yeah. And then AA. Yes. Um, so, and then literally met people that were like me to the point where my first, no, my second share that I heard just pissed me off. Right. Like, yeah. Why? It didn't agree with you. No. Why are you talking like this? <laughs> What were they yeah. sharing about, if, if I could ask? You, you... She she was um, sharing about her experience, Strength yeah. and Hope. Yes. How she experienced the exact same feelings I experienced with drugs and alcohol. Yes. And yes. I remember it was like that kind of relief feeling that you get just before you take anything. That, right, oh, yes. Yeah, that yep. kind of... Yeah, that like, shake. Yep. No. <laughs> no. Um, but that was it. That was... Because I didn't, in the petulant, messed up way that you are, you don't want people to be like you. No. You can't accept it. So when you see it, you just, you have to turn away. Yes. But I kept going back. and Yeah, you, you kind of, even though there was this calling to, I don't want to do it again, yes. it's confronting, I you, you, you went back, yes. Yeah. But that was just the habit. Like, it took me a while to get off, um, to... Um, reduce yes. what I was on and to yeah. stop drinking as well because yes. I, I thought I could still drink yes um, that's a biggie yeah. too people yeah. you know and, and it's really good that you said that a yes. lot of people think that that I have a problem with uh, say cocaine or marijuana but I can still drink yeah. and vice versa people go oh look I can't drink but I can do marijuana yes. and stuff and, and really what we are kind of talking about we're talking about addiction aren't yes. we yeah and and, and but, yeah, yeah, it knows all names. Yes, it is. It's all or nothing for me because yes. I know that the last two times I slipped was on alcohol. Yes, that yep. was because I thought I could get away with it, yep. and then it just set me off. Um, but so yeah, um, and I remember. I, I think about now, looking back at the first times I went, even though I didn't say anything for months. And I was, I didn't get up to get a newcomer chip for months just because yeah. I was scared. Um, I look back on now and it just, it feels warm. Yes. It's just, because it's the first time I actually did something good in my life. Yes. The first time, I mean, there was nothing to go back to. Like, we mentioned it, that was like rock bottom. Yeah. Like, you're broken and yes. you just, you have nothing. Yeah. Which isn't necessary. It's not you don't need to be like that um but <laughs> no no you don't have uh, to get to no, that point hey you could yeah no i hear you yeah definitely yeah. For, for, for me <laughs> it, it, it uh, had to be so yes yes okay and yeah. it just to make to make it seem glamorous i have to be in a really dark place but yeah. um so yeah i i managed through advice from other people and just um going to the rooms going for a few sponsors taking some of the advice yep. I managed to get to a point where I was able to actually take the steps after yes. about a year yep. and then I I had to deal with a lot of shit really like, yes. um, mainly I got a job yep. like immediately which was 
insane because um, I, I got a, a kitchen portal job in Centre Parks, which is like a holiday resort in England. Yeah. And the f now, like four years later, I'm I've been a chef in a few places, and I'm not qualified, but I'm really good. Yeah. As a pastry chef. Yes. Which is remarkable. Like yes. I did nothing. I was on benefits for six years, and yeah. now I've, I've worked in a profession which requires a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of responsibility, yeah. a lot of time management. I imagine. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, just a lot of effort and motivation, which for some reason was given to me and I have inside me um, yeah but so and yeah um, I just is, I it, a, is, yeah. it, a, is it a journey Martin that you'd recommend to people because I know there's a lot of people that'll be listening yes uh, going you know um, oh, I don't think I could do that I don't think I could, could go along you know and start recovery I'm too far gone and what, what would you say to people that were maybe out there listening and, and thinking like that? Um, it's I've read it in the stories and it's true. Um, it's your choice at the end of the day because the only time that it really works is when you fully decide to do it for yourself. But what is better for you to live continuing something that you know is making you unhappy yeah. and the people around you unhappy or to take a chance at being happy? Yes. At just Or even peace. Yes. Like, if you're in that messed up situation, you have no peace. Like, every second is fraught with panic and anxiety and fear. Um, and it's not it's not a comfortable place like I don't I don't know I didn't choose to be in it no one no. chooses to be in it no because um, you don't know do you no. you you pick up uh, that, that first drink um, you know or you know or that that drug that really affects you and, and it's too late isn't it you, yeah. and you don't realise that you're already caught yeah. in, in the trap yeah, yeah. and yeah. if you are not too you're never too far gone no. I've been, like all the time I've been around yeah I've seen people who have been yes beyond anything and then they've been able to get back into normality yes for the first time um but yeah and it oh shit I forgot what I said, yeah. um <laughs> yes yeah yeah, Sorry, I yeah no no I appreciate what you're saying yeah. I mean you know I think you know people need to hear that because you know, um, alcoholics and addicts are mm. usually in a dark place when yes. they, you know, they're not in a good place when they're, they're, they're thinking about help and you often, it, it seems overwhelming and, and nothing can be done um, but, but you know, I agree it's not, that's not so mm. um, yeah, by just coming along to meetings and starting to hear a, a different message than, than you perhaps ever heard, yeah. um, you know your miracles can happen, can't they? You yes. know, yeah, you know, I, I totally agree and that's just it like I had never heard anyone talk like that before yes when yeah. you when you hear people talking of hope it's not something that you're used to yes you're you're caught in something that is hopeless yep. so the first time someone says to you there's a way out you're not going to believe it but it yep. is true yep it's proven like the girl that I first heard share is still sober yes and that's yes. yeah it's a miracle really yeah and she yeah. was um fuck sorry um she was still, she was 24, she was 26 now. Yes. So she got sober when she was 20. That's like, it doesn't matter how old you are either. No. Which is, and it's there, there is always a way out and it doesn't take much. Like it's not demanding you to get on your knees and pray to some God or become part of a cult or give anything. Yeah. It's just a way out and a way to recover, which is, for me, a power greater than myself, God, because I was not. Yeah. The person I was I could not have decided to do what he did. No, no, no. Like, he was not in any position to have got his stuff together. No, no, um, no, no. I, I hear, yeah. At all. Um, yes. So, I, for me, I know for a fact that yeah. having a form of faith was just the start for it, but it's not. But then at the same time, when I first got into the rooms, I was 
convinced it was a cult. I was like, why is everyone praying together? This yeah, there's banners on the wall and so, God splattered yeah. on them. Yes, no. This is so weird. <laughs> what is going on? But what's the alternative? Like, it's either good. <laughs> My alternative yeah. was be a drunk junkie yes. or go to the rooms and have a hope. Yes. It's not, yeah. Yes, I can see it in your eyes. I know which one you'd prefer. Big smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good now. Like, all I have is time. Um, yeah. Compared, like, yeah. Yeah, to, to how it was. Yeah. I, I, I think you've got a great message. I, I um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I think, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I know my own recovery. I fought really hard to stay sick. You know, yes. <laughs> I was so resistant. And, you know, by that time I was doing the same things with the same results, the same things. And I needed radically different ideas to bring me through that, that um, rickety bridge, you know, uh, of hope. And, um, yeah, so I really appreciate that. Um, I just, um, it's its lovely to have you, Martin, in New Zealand. I mean, AA is a worldwide fellowship and stuff. Have you got a favourite group back home um, that you attend or? Um, my my original home group, like, really is the Thursday night um, Bedford Quaker House. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, there was a meditation one there, but that um, got stopped. That was amazing. I love that. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think about that because everyone... Because um, it's yeah, um, yeah, yep. No, that's awesome. everyone is still around, basically. Yes, righto. And that's, it's worked for a lot of people yeah. in the sense that they're still sober and and, and drug free. No, no, that's awesome. But I am blessed to be able to be been around a bit. Yeah, in England and yeah, yeah, a few meetings around the world as well. So I can. Yeah, no, it's, that's awesome. But Bedford still holds. Even though I wanted to get away from it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bedford is still there in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Look, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time um, to be on the show, and I just really appreciate you sharing. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. I enjoyed that. Thank you, Tony, for having it there for us. But just to let you know, there are no membership fees to join AA. All you need to do is want or even have a curiosity on giving up drinking. Or perhaps it's being at that place of desperation where you know you need to give up. Come on in, sit in a meeting and start the journey with us. I'd like to uh, close our meeting this evening and just let you know that here in Dunedin alone, we have 14 meetings a week, lunchtime and evenings. So you can pop in on your lunch break or go through after work. Please check our website on aa.org.nz. On there, you will find lists of meetings across the whole of New Zealand. They'll be showing you times and places where you can attend a meeting. There are also Zoom meeting details if you're preferring to do it in the privacy of your own home. If you need to reach out for help, please do not hesitate to call us on 0800 WORKS. That's 0800 229-6757. This phone line is operated by Alcoholics for Alcoholics, so please don't hesitate to call us. That's 0800-229-6757. Please give us a call. We also have a web address if you need to get hold of anybody on www.aaotago.com. NZ. We're going to finish with a song this evening. Take care of yourselves out there. I thank you very much for spending the evening with me. And thank you too to our show producers, Spencer and Jeff. Marty Wire, everyone. Until next time. Dance me to the end of 
senses are gone Let me feel the moving like they do in Babylon Show me slowly what I only know the limits of oh, Dance me to the end of love Dance me to the end Dance me to the wedding now Dance me on and on Dance me very tenderly And dance me very long We're both of us beneath our love We're both of us above Dance me to the end of love Dance me me to the children who are asking to be born dance me through the curtains that our kisses have outworn raise a tent of shelter now though every thread is torn dance me to the end This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.